actually how the scrub company got started because I wasn't making my own scrubs from the first day. I was saying, hmm, I really wish I had a place for my stethoscope because I was getting a rash around my neck and I didn't want to wear it around my neck. So I was changing that. And then I was like, hmm, it would be really nice if there was a credit card holder or an ID holder because every time I pull my phone out, my credit cards go flying. So it was a like transition period into what it is today. Welcome to MDF Instruments Crafting Wellness Podcast. I'm really, really excited today to introduce you to Catherine. Not only is she a very accomplished nurse, but she started her own scrubs company. We're going to talk about that and um, her entrepreneurial spirit. And I'm excited to talk about various things from nursing to entrepreneurship in the medical field. My name is Catherine Dixon. I'm a cardiology nurse, emergency nurse practitioner, I'm a professor at University of San Diego, and I also am the CEO and founder of All of Us Medical Apparel. I was I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and from a young age, I you know had my nursing kit of bandages and loved cleaning up some scrapes. Um, and then I also had just this wild fashion as a kid. So I would wear you know Dalmatian jewelry, a tiara, cowgirl boots, and um, bumblebee wings like everywhere. So I kind of had this quirky version of my fashion and loved medicine at the same time. Um, we moved to San Diego in grade school and I proceeded to volunteer at a local hospital knowing I wanted to be a nurse growing up and got into the medical field. Is there an age that you knew I want to be a nurse? Cause some kids have that. Some kids know when they're four, five, six years old, where they say, I already know what I want to be when I grow up and it never changes. Was was that a similar experience for you? Yes, actually, there was an age. So in kindergarten, my parents gave me a little toy kit of like a doctor's kit, which very quickly turned into a real um, first aid kit with antiseptic cream and band-aids. And I would just sit on the playground almost, you know, hoping that someone would fall so I could use my perfectly good band-aids and antiseptic cream on them. Um, I loved caring for other people. Of course, this translated into something much more ethical <laughs> in my nursing career, but um, but I talked about being a nurse since I was a little kid and I, I'm not entirely sure where it came from because no one in my family was medical. I was just going to ask that because sometimes we want to emulate our parents or grandparents or an aunt or uncle or something. So I was curious if it, it was in your blood, but it doesn't sound like as far as you know, it is. <laughs> well, actually, so I'm, I'm incorrect in that. My grandmother, who's also named Catherine Dixon was a nurse. I didn't know this until I was in high school. So there maybe was something in the genetic pool, but at the same time, it wasn't it wasn't readily available or in my knowledge until I was in high school. And my dad was like, oh, you remind me so much of my mom because she's a nurse. And I was like, what? <laughs> We've been talking about nursing since I was a kid. Where is this coming from? You know, I, I when I was a kid, we had a map of the United States chalked in on the playground and all the kids would play like where they're going to live, you know, and I would always go straight to California. I was like six years old. I'd go straight to California. I'd be like, I'm living here. I'm living in California. And, you know, and it turned out to be uh, where I ended up. But I feel like as kids, you know, we have a lot of intuition and we haven't learned to kind of mute that intuition in us yet and so we think the world is all is possible and it's so great when you can discover a passion or a love so early because I feel like it um it's it's in your soul so much that no one can really tell you otherwise you just it's yeah well and having the people around to encourage it is is important because I still have that almost dream sense of a childlike dream sense of wanting to make the things that are important to me come true yeah, and you're doing it. You're doing it very well. You're very accomplished and um, really excited to get into all that. But let's start a little bit earlier. So you knew from the age of six you wanted to be a nurse. Um, you said that you volunteered. Was that something you did in high school? Or did can you talk a little bit about the older years of like, okay, I'm in high school now, and now I, this is something I'm seriously contemplating doing, and how am I going to go about doing it? Can you just talk about your journey into becoming a nurse? So in high school, I had talked about being a nurse. I had studied different types of science um, and I was volunteering at a local hospital here in San Diego, which is actually the hospital I am currently working at as both a nurse and a nurse practitioner. 
Um, so I've had many roles within the same healthcare system, which has been really fun. Um, but I was volunteering every Sunday for four hours. And at the same time, I was sewing and designing all of my like fun wear, formal wear, prom dresses, um, homecoming outfits. And so a lot of my family friends were actually saying, why don't you go into fashion? This is something you're really good at. And I was like, no, I have this huge desire to be in medicine. This is just my hobby. Um, and then I was like, well, you know, the scrubs I'm wearing while I'm volunteering aren't very comfortable. And then I went to, you know, school for nursing and I was like, hmm, the scrubs I'm wearing don't really have the things or the pockets or the availability or the, the comfort when I move around. And that's when I brought back the fashion aspect from high school into my medical apparel. Yeah, I know. I was, I was seeing that you, um, you would, uh, fix your clothes in high school, you would alter them, you would do all, and, and your friends and family would ask you to do it too, I think, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So the, the formal wear, I would start from scratch. I made my own patterns. I made my own designs. Everything was completely from scratch. And then the fun outfits, I would like go through my dad's closet and steal a bunch of his ties and, you know, connect different fabrics onto them. So I could make fun, you know, halter tube top, um, outfits and skirts out of like several different pairs of jeans. So there was a lot of like just fun creativity that went into, uh, my outfits. And then I would, I would alter and change things for other people. And that's really how the scrub company got started because I wasn't making my own scrubs from the first day. I was saying, Hmm, I really wish I had a place for my stethoscope because I was getting a rash around my neck and I didn't want to wear it around my neck. So I was changing that. And then I was like, hmm, it would be really nice if there was a credit card holder or an ID holder, because every time I pull my phone out, my credit cards go flying. So it was a like transition period into what it is today. Yeah. I I wonder, um, did you did you take sewing classes like home economics or did you just intrinsically like intuition wise no okay this is how you sew I mean because it's, it's not the easiest thing to do in the world like when I was a kid I took home ec and we made pillows and I, I was obsessed I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen I literally made myself a pillow I can do that and so I made my parents buy me a sewing machine <laughs> for Christmas and you know until I could only teach myself so much and then I you know I gave up but I'm just curious kind of did you it's true there's a real art to it and it's it's just like science. Once you have the basics, you can build on it to make stuff. But until you know exactly how to put stuff together, um, you it's difficult to get there. So I had a grandmother who had a sewing machine and it was at my, um, my parents' home growing up. So after she passed away, they uh, had a bunch of her things. And so we had her sewing machine and I just picked it up and started making simple things like coin purses and um, just very simple things. And then I was like, oh, I really want to make a dress. And so I went to do it and it, it worked, but not great. <laughs> and so my parents did end up hiring someone to help me through some of the projects. I was determined to do it on my own, which is one of my flaws. Um, but I was like, I'm going to do this on my own. I don't need someone's help. Like I can figure this out. We have the internet, we have, you know, everything we could need to do like DIY stuff. Um, but once she came in and taught me the basics, it really changed the game as far as being able to sew. That's awesome. Okay. So you're, you're a very well accomplished nurse. Um, obviously NP you're teaching at the university. Can you talk a little bit about, um, education wise, what, what you did for school, um, what that kind of journey looked like for you, because I know in healthcare and in nursing, especially there's so many avenues you can take and you can always keep building on top of the knowledge you already have and go into different specialties. How did you find the specialty in, in cardiology and emergency room? So in high school, I was volunteering and I knew I wanted to be a nurse. So you kind of start off with general practice. I went to St. Mary's College in Indiana for my undergraduate, where I got my bachelor's of science in nursing. And then I also studied biology and psychology because I wasn't entirely sure if I wanted to be in the ER. Psych is really prevalent. And I always kind of had this like intuition I wanted to be in the ER. And then there was this other side that I wanted to be in pediatrics. In school, I um, kind of finagled my way into some amazing clinical sites and worked in a NICU and a PICU, which are the ICUs for pediatrics and neonatals. And 
I just realized they were so small and it takes a really special person to work with these tiny humans and their parents. Um, and I just wasn't, it was, I couldn't leave it at work in the same way that I could in other specialties. So I went into ER and then I got out of school and did, went through a new grad program um, and learned so much. And one of the best things I learned in my new grad program is like you can build on your knowledge, but you can't automatically start with experience. And so you need to try to experience everything you possibly can because you have, you can be smart, but you can't gain experience with no experience. Um, so I was just trying to gain that experience and I was working in several different fields. I love cardiology because we know so much about the heart and there's so many things we can do. It's one of the types of Western medicine that I feel like we are really strong at. And so I like being in cardiology because I can sit down with patients and I can explain to them exactly what's going on. And there's no, you know, there's, there's mystery about some things, but in cardiology, there's not a lot of mystery about it. So I can sit down and I can say, this is what's going on with your heart. Here's a picture of what it looks like. Here are our options. What would you like to do? Where when you're talking about the brain and pediatrics and hormones, there's so many things we don't know. And I'm not going to tell someone I know something when I don't. So it's nice to sit down and actually be able to explain the process and how we can really help. So then I went from a cardiology nurse. I was working full-time in school. I went back to get my doctorate in nursing practice in University of San Diego. And I studied um, emergency medicine and family practice. Knew I wanted to be in the ER. At the hospital I currently work at, we have a lot of cardiac procedures and it's just a phenomenal place because we see so many cardiac patients in the ER. Emergency room is chaotic. It's loud. Um, the hours uh, are, can be, I'm sure, a little wild. So I'm curious for you, since you are working in the emergency room and you knew um, that that's kind of where you wanted to, to be, what are your hours like? Well, and that's so funny you say that. Everyone thinks the ER is so chaotic, but at the same time, I find it very peaceful because patients are coming and going, but you're only doing so much. So I tell patients that come in, we're not fixing the little primary care things. We're looking for the big, bad, and ugly. And there's only so many ways you can really like help and save a patient. Um, so when they come into the ER, I try to set expectations. You're here for chest pain. We're looking for a heart attack. We're looking for a stroke. We're looking for a GI bleed. And the other stuff I might not be able to diagnose today. I'm happy to add to the findings of what could be going on, but but I set the expectation that I want you to improve your quality of life. I want you to find a primary care provider where you can make little titrations and medications and find what, you know, helps you live your best life. And I'm not doing that in the ER, but we do something else that's really special and it's tertiary care, but, you know, we can send patients to the cath lab and open up um, coronaries and we can do pretty incredible things in the hospital. But I do try to give patients the expectations of, you get different care in different places and I don't want to over treat anybody and I want to make sure they're safe and in a good environment. I, I know that in California, they have passed laws on, you know, safe staff patient ratios in the emergency room. Is this something that's, that can be an issue or um, do, do you have a certain number of patients you can treat at any one at any given time? Great question. And I think what they do is phenomenal with staffing. I, could not be in charge of such a large process because you have to accommodate for a bunch of people coming in and then having no one there. Um, so it's hard to staff for that. On the floor as a cardiology nurse, our ratios are either um, three to one or four to one. So I can take three patients or four patients based on the types of drips they're on or their acuity. Um, in the ER, I have 12 beds in my section of the ER. Um, and so they try not to give me more than 12 patients at a time. Um, but we're not under the same patient ratios because there's a nurse that's assigned to every one of those patients. So as, as I'm treating them, but there's still a nurse that's bedside and we have very competent, smart nurses to answer your question in the ER, there really aren't those same staff ratios, but we combat that in other ways. So we have, um, a certain amount of physician that are on staff. And they can always call in another person. So there's someone who's on call and then there's the doctors who are assigned to the day. And 
So if they need to call in someone else, they'll be taking in those new patients. And I'm in an area that has 12 beds and I can take patients in like the main ER, but I have my 12 beds. So they try not to overpopulate my area by giving me too many patients. That's so interesting. Yeah. I had no idea. That's wow. That's really interesting. They're two completely different jobs, which makes things so fun and interesting at work. So I have my nursing job and the doctors are putting in all the orders and you're implementing all the tasks. Of course, you always have like a higher level of the patient. You're you're considering their background and why they came in and what they need in the future, but you're constantly completing tasks, passing medications, reassessing patients, um, taking them to the bathroom, titrating drips. And as a nurse practitioner, you really get that time to sit down and look at them as a complete picture. And so you're making these higher level decisions and you're not clouded by the tasks. But with that said, I have the ability to know, you know, what certain medications will do to patients and try not to, again, decrease their quality of life by intervening too much. Um, So as a nurse practitioner, I always like take that role and I'm like, okay, well, I know as a nurse, this happens after these medications or you give Lasix and they're peeing and really uncomfortable. And so you don't want to give that right before they're going to a procedure if they don't have a catheter or you want to be mindful of how you're scheduling things. And so I have that advantage of being a nurse and taking that bedside experience to the MP level. Yeah, I would definitely want you treating me if I had to go to the hospital. I know that there was a lot of news in the last year, year and a half or so of giving NPs more abilities and less less red tape to, to treat patients. Uh, has that been implemented at all or have you noticed any changes? Yeah, actually I have noticed that. It doesn't affect me as much in the ER, um, but I've definitely noticed it in the news and discussions on campus at University of San Diego. So The nurse practitioners currently have full practice authority in California, but there's stipulations behind that. So you have to work a certain amount of hours in your field or be practicing for a certain amount of time before you can have full autonomy. Um, With that said, that means you can go off and start your own practice and the regulations are not as harsh on nurse practitioners, which can be a really good thing too. In the ER, it won't affect me very much. I have an amazing team um, with lots of support. So I don't need the same amount of autonomy because they give me a lot of independence in my area. And then anytime I have a question, I run over and we discuss cases or I'll ask them what they think or I'll present um, what I believe would be the best treatment and get their opinion. So I feel really, really well supported and independent in my practice throughout my job. Wanted to ask you just a little bit to give paint a picture for me about what your work schedule is like because I know since I've been talking to you <laughs> how busy you are and how hard you work and just um, we can segue into a little bit about how this translates into creating you know being the CEO and creating your own scrub company and how that's affected your time and how do you find so much time in a day I just want to kind of touch base on on the nurse practitioner level for your job, what your hours are like, and then how you're managing um, finding time to create a scrub company and what those hours have been like. The hours are crazy. I have four jobs. Luckily, my schedule is very flexible. So I work like one day a week as a nurse, and then I can pick up whenever in the ER and I teach very few lectures. So in order to start this company, this company is a 24-7 situation. Um, And in order to start this, you have to have time, but you also have to have finance. And I'm completely bootstrapped. So when I find that I'm progressing with the company and I need money to cover inventory, legal bills, accounting, um, you know, I just had a big photo shoot that required finances, then I'll, I'll work a bunch of hours and I'll pick up a ton of overtime and work double time shifts. I'll work in the ER, I'll work on the floor, um, and I'll just work, work, work. And then when I need, when my company really needs the time and the diligence and, you know, between marketing partnerships or um, new designs or conversations with manufacturing companies, then I step back from bedside, I step back from the ER and I stay at home and I work from home. 
but I mean, these hours are all over the place. So I work seven to seven 30, seven AM to seven 30 PM as a nurse. Um, and sometimes those hours are extended. And then I work 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the ER, which is a very large range. So sometimes I'm getting off of work at two in the morning and I have to run home and I've got to be back up at six for another shift. How do you how do you combat that? How how are you um, dealing with this, the changes in your body, because, you know, your body can't really get used to a habit of, okay, I go to bed at this time, I wake up at this time, um, you know, just regularity in your body and also just mental health wise and just being able to stay awake. What are you doing to kind of help that? Or is it mental? Are you just like, I, cause I, I actually have that where I'm not really affected by what time it is. If I just tell myself it's a certain time then I can, I'm not affected by like traveling um, to places that are, you know, 12 hours ahead. I just, I acclimate really quickly. And some people have that gift, but I'm curious for you, just how you're just getting bounced all over the place and still maintaining the ability to get all this done and mental health. I couldn't do it if I didn't have a massive passion for what I'm doing. You make a good point about the travel. I did grow up traveling a lot. And my parents always said I slept wherever I was easy to wake up. So I, I do sleep really well and I feel like I get good quality sleep. Um, and I have a lot of support around me, which makes this even more exciting to continue. But if I didn't totally believe in these scrubs and love what I was doing, I wouldn't be doing this. Um, but you get excited about it. Like we started talking about MDF instruments and it's exciting. And, you know, we start talking about maybe making some mutual posts or this, um, blog and your, your wellness. And it makes you want to stay up and work on it. And it makes you excited to wake up in the morning and get on a call with you and learn something and get to progress in your career. Yeah. Passion is a thing, you know, passion is a a huge motivator. And just um, when you're excited and you want to get something done and you're passionate and you believe in something, I feel like the energy just comes to you, you know, and you can't like stay sleeping. Like it's hard sometimes because you're just so excited. You're like, I want to get, it feels like Christmas every day. Like I want to get going. I want to get this done. I want to move on. And, and the decisions that we're making today, they affect our future selves, you know? Yeah. Sometimes, um, you know, I'll be like, Thomas, you should be eating that or whatever it is. He's like, oh, it's future Thomas's problem. <laughs> and But it, it can work the other way too. Because sometimes I use, use that as an excuse. I'm like, well, it's future Brooks' problem. I'll, I'll figure it out later. But it can, but there's really truth to that because the decisions that we're making right now today, the work effort, effort we're putting into something, um, the procrastination, if we're doing that or the whatever we're, we're deciding to do or not do today is affecting our, our future versions of ourselves. And just from what I've, I've seen and gotten to know you, I'm amazed by how much you get done. I mean, we're talking from, we can be messaging early in the morning to like late at night. You're just go, 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 go. Um, and I really admire what you're doing and, and how you're going after it. And you're setting an example for other people as well that um, you don't have to just sit in a box just because you become a nurse or a doctor or whatever that that career path is for you doesn't mean you just have to be that one thing. And I think that you're really showing and proving that um, you can take all of your passions and new passions that might come down the line for you. And you can you found a way to put it all into into one, you know, you're like, oh, I can take my creative uh, juice of fashion and um, wanting to have that creative outlet for myself and then also see, well, I can see how this can be improved in scrubs. I, I don't really like the way that my scrubs are fitting. They're not really formed for my body. They don't have the right pockets. They're not comfortable. They're itching me, whatever, all of those problems you're having. And you're the perfect person to say, oh, because you're doing this so many hours, you're the perfect person to say, let me make this better. And then you you didn't just complain about it. You went out and you did it. And um, that's really admirable. And I I do want to just talk a little bit about how this started. So um, from creating your own scrub company, what was the first step that you did? I mean, obviously you had to come up with a name for your scrub company. You had to come up with what did these scrubs look like? Were you drawing designs? Can you just talk about the creative process of of these scrubs and tell everyone the name of the scrubs and how you came up with the name and, and just give us a little info on it. Well, I think it's very interesting what you just talked about. And as far as um, 
talking about something and complaining about something, I kind of have this house rule that I remind myself because I'm not always good at sticking to it, but I'm not going to complain about something unless I'm doing something about it. And so if something really bothers me, we had like a food issue at the hospital. And so I started contacting local restaurants and like, I can, I can sit there and at lunch complain that we have no food to eat and the food is bad quality, but I'm, I can't do that unless I'm going to change something about it. So that's always been my policy. But as far as all of us and getting started, I mean, this was, this was a long journey. It started literally when I was a kid, I used to tie together all of my blankets and try to create outfits with them. And so it was something I always knew I wanted to do in high school. I was like, oh, I'm totally going to make my scrubs once I'm a nurse. And then I was a nurse and I was starting to change little things here and there. And I um, graduated from getting my doctorate. And I was with someone at the time when we were starting a hormonal therapy clinic. And I always talked about selling scrubs in the front office. And I knew it wouldn't make any money. But I, I also knew that it was something, a uh, part of this business that I would really thrive at and enjoy and get to work and set things up and have like a little store in the front that was a passion. And there's only a few really strong passions I've had in my life. And it's medicine and fashion are my two greatest passions. And to see those kind of collide would be amazing. Um, there was, you know, things happen, personal life and um, and we broke up and I felt so deceived by what happened in the relationship. And I was up at night, just, you know, kind of racking my brain about what to do. And I was like, he doesn't deserve any more of this energy. I need to focus on the things that are really important. So I sat down, I drew out my designs and I hit the ground running. I kind of made this decision that I was going to go for it. And this, the short-term goals and the long-term goals, I wrote them all out. I drew out my designs and almost right away, I hired an attorney to get a patent on the stethoscope holder. Um, and then I hired a um, finance team and my accountants to help me put together what was financially feasible with my savings. Um, I did decide to bootstrap this. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, like truly no idea what I was getting myself into. So I had a patient of mine who said, Catherine, I believe in you. I'll give you $50,000 and whatever happens with the money happens. And I told her, I said, it was the wife of my patient. And I said, I don't understand where this is all going. And I don't have the finances put together enough to take anyone's money, but I want to be able to call you and ask you questions along the way. So I'd much rather not have your money and has, have you as an advocate. They were pretty successful business people. And she was like, okay, then that's that. So I just sat down, grinded, made the money. I surrounded myself with like-minded people who had started businesses and who could give me advice along the way. And, um, and before you knew it, it's the first year COVID happened. So manufacturing was almost put to a halt completely. But I had this great design, started doing patterns, samples. They turned out terrible. So then we just kept altering them. I altered them, altered them, altered them until one day I thought they were perfect and um, got them into large-scale manufacturing. Manufacturing was a beast in itself. I went through six to eight different manufacturing companies and I wanted everything to be US made. There were two reasons for that. I I would like to have everything US made, but also I needed to be there seeing the process because my degree is not in manufacturing. It's not in business. It's not in marketing. Um, and I didn't fully understand the whole process until I watched the whole thing and made several changes, made several mistakes. Um, so I started in LA when everything shut down, I ended up going down to Mexico and I was just crossing the border and going there on a weekly basis to make changes to my scrubs and make them, make them what I wanted them to be. Um, so finally had the inventory and then started my sales and there's so many things I would go back and change, but I mean, I, I keep calling this business, my MBA, because I can't think of a better way to spend my money on another degree than investing in myself. Yeah. And you are, I, you know, the story you were just telling me, it just made me think of you as a kid and um, not wanting to get help from 
<laughs> from like, I can do this myself. Um, because when you're talking about the investment and the money, it's like, no, I don't need, I don't, I want to get the money myself, but I will take your knowledge on how to improve this or how to make it better or have questions along the way. Um, and I can relate to that a lot because I feel like, um, when you do something yourself and you raise the money yourself, uh, nobody can take it away from you and nobody can try to have ownership or claim over it and say, well, I did this for you. Um, but knowledge, knowledge is something people love to share and, um, and, you know, experience, which you can either garner from someone giving advice on something that you're, that you're doing that they've already done or um, going through it yourself and making the mistakes. But that's how we learn sometimes. And then that, those mistakes, although I'm sure costly in ways, um, you can't put a price on it because now you know better and you you don't know what you don't know. And just moving forward, you won't make those mistakes again. And you have the knowledge now moving forward. Okay, this is how this is going to be done. This is the way I should do this. And yeah. charge. Well, and I, I'm just, I've never been great at bullshit. Like I can't sit down and tell you, I know this is going to happen when I don't. And so taking someone's money and saying, this is what I'm turning into when I really don't know the projections yet, I couldn't do it because I can't sit down and tell you what's going to happen with that money because I didn't know. Um, and now like now I'm looking for investment because I feel very strongly. I know exactly how to get uh, my scrubs through manufacturing into, you know, people's homes and throughout the hospitals. And so I feel comfortable saying, this is what I've seen. This is what I know. This is what I'm going to be able to provide and give a timeline on that. Where before I had, I had no idea where to go. I had no timeline. I, you know, I'm, I'm a get it done kind of person. So I used to tell people, I'm like, oh, it took them a year. It'll take me six months. No problem. I was so wrong. It took me three years. Like I know things were very different and I hired consultants to give me that knowledge of what they've done when they started companies. But they said, Kevin, the game's completely different. All the manufacturing in LA closed down. All the San Diego manufacturing shut down. Um, the main, the big manufacturers that were still running converted to PPE. And so no one was looking for a Catherine Small business to produce some really high quality, innovative scrubs. <laughs> that was like, a, I was knocking on doors and they were like, we don't care. We have, we have bigger fish to fry here. So it, I'm choosing also, I mean, California for business is rough. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's high tax. It's, it's, it's really hard to start a business anywhere, but California is very rough. It can be, you know, you're more expensive and, um, not always, you know, small business friendly, but, um, I don't know. I just think you're proving that, if you want to do something, you can do it, but it is going to take a lot of heart, a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, and you're going to mess up along the way. And that's okay, because as long as you're learning from that and moving forward, and you could have easily taken that money earlier, and then it could have really screwed things up for you. But you were, you had the wherewithal to, to see, you know, I'm not ready for the investment yet, you know, um, but I will come back to this when I am ready. And it sounds like you're in a place now. Uh, with your with your scrub company that you are are ready for that next step but I'm curious okay, I I notice um green and you're in your scrubs and you're wearing green today um and then the name of her scrub company is all of us but it's spelled like an olive a green olive yes. you know, there's a, I think there's a play on words here <laughs> but um, it also means all of us right like inclusive yeah. So there's three reasons for the name. Um, the beginning part of the name was I had a big temper tantrum when I was a kid and my parents would stick an olive in my mouth and I like it would subside the temper tantrum. And so as a joke, my parents would give me a big thing of olives every Christmas and they still do it today. Um, and they were they were just like a symbolism of peace for me as a kid. It was this strange thing. I would be in this, you know, tizzy over small life things and they would give me an olive and I would um I would stop the temper tantrum immediately and and almost feel peace by it but an olive branch as I didn't know the symbolism as a kid an olive branch is a symbolism of peace and 
Um, I want people who are wearing my scrubs to feel peaceful in my scrubs. I don't want them leaning over and worrying about their, you know, shirt exposing their bra or their underwear in the back. I don't want them looking for items that they need to treat their patients. I want them to have everything on them, feel comfortable and be able to move around in these scrubs so they don't have to think about them. They can come to work. They know they look good. They have everything they need on them and they can just complete their job. And then the third reason for the name is all of us is a play on words. Um, be a, as I want these scrubs to support healthcare professionals. I want all of us as a company to support all of us healthcare professionals through our daily lives at home, at work. Um, it, I really want it to be something that's a community um, stance that cares for our medical professionals. I, and I get that all from just the name. So great job on that because I think it's, um, it's, it's, you can get a lot from a name. And I think when I first came across it and I didn't know anything about you or your story or what these scrubs were, um, I could infer that on my own just from the name. Um, I didn't know that cute story about olives, <laughs> but I love olives and I figured that there was something there. And then the colors, so the color for your scrubs, what colors do they come in now? I notice a green and a gray. Do you have other colors or are you just primarily sticking to those two? And would you talk a little bit about the material of your scrubs? What, how the uniqueness, I want to talk about the patent pending holster for the stethoscope and just kind of getting into the design for anyone interested in taking a look at your scrubs, like what makes them unique and different and what is it that you love so much about them? Yeah. So the scrubs are all North American made. Um, I designed them, like I was telling you, for all the things that I need to have on me as a nurse and a nurse practitioner at work. Um, the fabrics are all custom made as well. So I actually had an anthropology color specialist help me pick out the two colors that I currently have, which are an olive green and a midnight blue. And they were all custom made through a mill in North America. Um, so they're antimicrobial, four-way stretch, anti-wrinkle. They're actually anti-ultraviolet and um, they're super soft and comfortable so that you can wear them on the go and they're flexible. So when you like lean forward, you don't have to worry about this caving in and it's nice and high up in the back. So you're just comfortable at work. Like we should be wearing athletic wear to work because we're moving and you want to have something that's moving with you. Um, as far as the items on it, yes, I have a patent pending stethoscope holder and there's several reasons behind the stethoscope holder. The main one that I thought of as when I was working was I used to get a rash on my neck from my stethoscope to find that there was a Cambridge study done in 2019 that showed 100% of stethoscopes have staph and other bacteria after one patient use. And then you clean the stethoscopes and 50% still have bacteria on them. And those are hospital disinfectant wipes they're using on this study. And it's just gross. So then we're literally going from patient rooms and putting those around our shoulders and touching our face, our neck, our hair. I, I, we do so much to protect the patients and then we do nothing to protect ourselves sometimes. So when you clean them with the hospital disinfectant wipes, you're also supposed to let it sit for three minutes before using. So I don't see anyone who grabs their stethoscope and is just holding it out to dry for three minutes. So the main reason behind this was for the infectious disease concerns of of having that transfer of bacteria onto us. Um, and then I had two people I knew in the ER that were choked by their stethoscopes. And since posting my, my scrubs online, I've had a ton of people come forward and say, I wish I had this. I was choked or I was injured by a patient. And um, I mean, these, I have mine on me now. These are, these are deadly devices. They're thick. Um, and so we don't want to have it around our neck, but it's also our diagnostic device that that helps us in so many ways at work. So I have this stethoscope holder. And then the other reasons is, I mean, I can't imagine having a week go by that I don't get a lost and found email about someone's stethoscope being um, gone missing or having it in the lost and found. And so I um, is this device like you have it on you. I can sit. I can do anything with it. There it is. So it's been whole thought of like, oh, putting it in a holster, it almost reminds of like where you would put a weapon or something to protect you. But it's 
it's it's a, it's a it's one of those things where you're like I wish I invented that you know when you go through it in kid and you and you people invent these things and you're like that is so smart and yet so simple like why didn't I think of that um I I know what you're talking about with the Cambridge study because MDF Instruments actually during the same time around the same time you're starting your scrub company we designed our own um, diaphragm cover called Persona and I don't know you probably noticed it when we sent you the stethoscope. Yeah. Clear looking. Yep. And I'm looking around because I think I have one on my desk somewhere. <laughs> a single use hygienic um, stethoscope diaphragm cover and it's disposable, but we created it for that very reason because we were so just shocked by that study and um, the statistics that came out on that, um, that we felt like we wanted to do something too to help um, everyone stay safe because, uh, you know, that's actually really scary when you think about it and um and and also um it actually i don't know if you've tried it out yet but you should out but if you put it on you're going to notice it amplifies the sound here but here i can grab it provides up to a 28 percent decrease in sound loss it's you gain up to five decibels of volume that's amazing here i'm opening this one right now yeah so i um it's interesting that like during the same time when you were, yeah, yep. And I would be curious to hear your thoughts on it when you're at work and you try using that, um, if you notice, because it is, it should amplify the sound quite a bit. That's so good to know. I didn't even, I, I've had literally, a dozen of these things sitting on my desk for the last week and haven't tried opening them. Let's give this thing a try. Oh, wow. It's very clear. And this is the, this is the basic version of the stethoscope, not the cardiology. And it's very clear. You should try it on the um, procardial. Um, I would just, I'm super curious to hear your thoughts on it. But when I tried it myself, because, you know, when um, the owner of the company decided to design this, he's very innovative. Um, he, he gave us, you know, we did a whole test of it. And I was shocked by the difference in the loudness of what I could hear just from that. But I mean, that's not even, that's not why we created it. Um, it was for safety. But it's just, um, and, and I I never really thought about why is a stethoscope getting so contaminated? Because you think about it, you're putting it in your ears and then you're using it on a patient. So you would think this part, the diaphragm part, would be the thing, would be the cause for concern. And that's what people should be wiping down. But the tubing, if mm -hmm. it's around your neck every single day and for hours and you're sweating and your hair and just whatever people might sneeze or cough and then it gets on you. Um, I never really thought about the fact that like, just the fact that you have the stethoscope around your neck could be causing a lot of those germs as opposed to just from auscultation. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? You know, there's, there's other reasons too, like the heat of your neck actually breaks down the tubing of the stethoscope. Um, so a lot of people who have worn their stethoscope for years will have discoloration and tubing that will more easily break because of that. And so this mitigates that reason too, because now it's, it's not touching any warm skin. It's just yeah. throughout the, In the holster on your, on your hip. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, can't really, I mean, when we teach, tell people, you know, how to clean your stethoscope, care of a stethoscope, you know, you can use the alcohol wipes on the diaphragm and that part, but you really shouldn't be using that on the tubing because it can cause a gumminess. Um, it can break down the material over time. That's like most soap and water. You don't want to submerge it in water. Um, yeah. I feel like what you came up with there with the holster for your stethoscope on your scrubs is just, it's ingenious. It's, it's brilliant. Um, and I, I watched you demonstrate um, how easy it is to take in and out, but would, would you mind standing up and kind of show? Oh, of course. Um, it's Super easy. I love this stethoscope. It slides right out and right back in. And then you can go like you can move around and it's no problem. Wow. I don't know if you have a good view on it there. 
I can see it. And so you don't have to worry about it falling out or like, does it fit every kind of stethoscope? What is it? Because you don't even have the big one on. You have the MD one. Oh, yeah. I have another. Yeah. You can sit down with them. Yeah. Super easy. We're talking about how, I mean, not only can someone use it as a weapon and to choke you or someone else, but um, you talked a little bit about how it can be cumbersome in, um, in other parts of facilitating healthcare um, to patients. So can you talk a little bit about, um, it, you, do you just mean it like dangling people's faces or? Yeah, I mean, when I used to wear my sunscreen on my shoulders, you'd be leaning over patients and the ears would get caught on their gown. And it's very unprofessional. You're like leaning back and your their gown is coming with you. And there's just so many times I've had things caught around my neck or you give someone a hug at work and all of a sudden you guys are connected in this like uncomfortable work hug because the stethoscope is... Um, yeah, a couple of people have asked about, you know, if this gets caught with the, the waistband, I've never had my stethoscope get caught in this waistband. And I've like, I've washed these scrubs. Oh my gosh, probably over a hundred times now. Um, and there hasn't been any wear and tear on this, the placement. I have had a patient grab it and it, it came out. Um, so it's not like, you know, if they grab it, the stethoscope slips, especially if they grab it from the top, it'll slip right out. Um, but the elastic waistband, it it covers for that. But it's also tight enough that if you're walking around, you're running, you're doing anything, you don't have to worry about it. And when I, when I first made these scrubs, I was like, well, I'm, you know, we get really busy at work and we have to run around. So I would take these on outside runs with me. And I would literally run around the trails in San Diego with my stethoscope. Um, which looked weird, but I was like, Hey, you got to test the product before you can bring it to market. And I've never had an issue. It never fell out. It never got in the way. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm very confident about these moving forward. Yeah. That was going to be my question, but you beat me to it because I know, especially in the emergency room, you know, you have to run out, help, help grab a patient or you're running get some paperwork or whatever it is. Um, at least light jogging. Um, so that was going to be my next question if, if, if it would fall, but no, it does not. A patient code, gosh, it was a few months back now. And I was one of the first people there. So I started CPR and I had my stethoscope in there. And during, during the CPR, someone said, can I grab your stethoscope? And I said, yeah. And so they pulled it out while I was performing CPR. And then I switched with someone while they were, and they had theirs around their neck and it was just flopping all over the place. And I was like, wait, this is like a very terrible time because we're in the role of patient care. But like, this is exactly why I made this. This is one of the main reasons I made this device. Um, because it really is in, when you're in a critical state, like, it's nice to just know that the things are where they need to be and easily accessible, but not in your way. Yeah. And, and you talk about, you know, you wear, you, if you put your arm out like this, it's not hard, right? But like the longer you hold your arm out, the heavier your arm's going to get. And over time, you're not going to be able to keep your arm up. And I feel like with a stethoscope around your neck, at first, it might not feel so bad, it might not be that heavy. But, you know, six, seven, eight hours into your shift and when you're working a couple shifts in a row, I can imagine it starts to really affect your neck and um, just your skin irritation and everything um, because of how long you do have to have that around your neck in your day-to-day -day life. And that's also why we um, we created the titanium because for that very reason, because our stainless steel is very heavy. And so Darren, the owner of me, is like, we got to come up with something more lightweight so people can wear it around their necks and not have so much problem um, in the day to day. But now we have an even better solution, which is just take your lightweight stethoscope and put it in your in your holster and in, in your all of us scrubs that Catherine came up with. I was just about to mention that your titanium stethoscope is so lightweight, like you I don't notice it at all. And, and I've only had it since I've had the stethoscope holder and it doesn't matter on the weight. When I put the stethoscopes in, in the stethoscope holder, it distributes the weight around my waistband so that I don't feel it. And it doesn't, it doesn't pull down the pants or it's not cumbersome on that side. Um, but yeah, when I used to wear my stethoscope around my shoulders, it was taxing by the end of the day. And you're right. When you first put it there, 
it's fine. Don't feel it at all. But then all of a sudden through the shift, I'm like, oh, my neck is kind of, you know, it's painful and uncomfortable. That titanium stethoscope that you guys make though is insanely light. Um, so I, I haven't tried it around my neck, but I, I can't even imagine that being an issue because it was, it's designed so well. So I get them and I'm like, I lift it up and I'm like, how, what, this is so light. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, but I, this I, sounds great. Oh, the sound with that stethoscope is really good. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I mean, coming from you, that means a lot. So, but you all, any feedback you ever have, like, please let us know because you are using it. And if you ever have any issues, um, you know, you shouldn't be having them. So please, if you ever have any feedback, we love it. Obviously your scrubs are extremely well designed. Um, if you were to just have a, a quick, maybe few sentences on your scrubs and the benefits of them, um, what, what would that be? That's a great question. I've, um, talk to several people about how scrubs are kind of like a washable tool belt, just like any tool belt. It needs to have space for the essentials of the workplace. Um, currently available scrubs do not accommodate the most basic tool needs in the hospital. All of the scrubs are different with the stethoscope holder sewn into the waistband design pockets for scissors, cell phone, ID cards, pen, and a badge clip holder. All of us has space for everything the medical professional would need made with superior bacteria resistant fabrics and flattering styles. This innovative patent pending design is a game changer for people in the medical apparel market. Awesome. Can you show us? I know that you have a back pocket where you can put your cards. Can you, is there, is it possible at all to show off some of the yeah, absolutely. So as you know, I have the patent pending stethoscope holder, and then I have a variety of pockets. So you've got two pockets up here and two pockets below. And I normally put my car keys in this one, and I keep my my work phone in this one. So there's actually a pocket within a pocket um, for the phones. And then when I'm working, I normally have two extra phones that I put in here. And then this is a special space for credit cards and IDs so that when you're pulling out your phone, other things aren't coming out with it. I'm wearing the jogger style, but I also have a straight leg version um, as I custom hem all of the scrubs here in San Diego. That's so awesome. There's a badge clip as well. Yes. So on top, these are the tuck-in version, but I've got my badge clip up here. And then I've got a front pocket. And then on the other version, they actually have a pocket on the right lower side and they go around the stethoscope. So it's really easy use of the stethoscope. And it's not a tuck-in option that isn't going to interfere with the stethoscope holder either. I love it. I'm so appreciative of what you guys do and just the kind of sacrifice you make all the time and the emotional energy and the care that it takes to want to be there for someone during like the hardest days of their lives and um, make them better. I just think it's so beautiful. And having a care care like that, it, it changes everything. And it brings a comfort that like, there's no words can express. From like a nurse, it's, it's not that we're giving up stuff to take care of other people because it's something I like, I get stuff in my life because I love being a nurse. Like I do it because I love to do it. And it's great that when someone's in their worst, you can be there to help because you don't know how someone else would help them. But I feel like I can come to a a situation and, and really be there for someone else. And it's, it's, there's beneficial, like there's benefits both ways. There's benefits to the patient, but there's benefits coming the other way too, you know? You know, they always say, when you give something to someone, you get more back from the giving. And I feel I like- I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't agree more. There's, there's this part too, I'll tell people in the ear, I'm like, hey, I'm just meeting you. You know you better than I know you. However, I have lots of medical knowledge to add to what you know so that we can make decisions together. I want to ask you about where people can buy your scrubs, um, can you tell us the name of the website and where people can buy them and then also spell it out for people who are listening? 
Absolutely. Most of the people who end up coming to my website come through social media because they see the Instagram posts that I make. Um, so I've developed my, my website myself. Everything's through a Shopify platform and I have the whole fulfillment in my house um, that I, I personally ship to everyone after I do custom hemming and things like that. So you can go to the website, which is F-O-R and then the company name, all of us, O-L-I-V-E-U-S.com. Or you can go to Instagram and you can either buy through Instagram um, or it'll direct you to or direct you to the website for for a purchase. And the Instagram handle is for all of us. And again, it's spelled F-O-R-O-L-I-V-E us U-S. So it's at for all of us. Um, and you'll see on MDF as well, we'll be doing a lot of collaborations with Catherine and for all of us all of us um, scrub company because they're doing some awesome scrubs and we are uh, excited to partner and see what kind of awesome things we can make for everybody. And I'm sure we'll, we'll do a giveaway and all kinds of fun stuff for people to come check out. I'm so excited. And if anyone's on the Instagram and wants to send me a message, I'm the one who replies to all of them. So um, I love feedback. I am my ears are completely open as I would love to hear what you think. And if you have any questions and if you need some photos of different sizes, I can provide that as well. Reach out anytime. I'm very available. And um, I think it's it's so great because she does all the the alterations. So if for some reason you're, you know, maybe a short person, more short like me, um, she makes sure that the scrubs aren't going to be too long on you. Um, she asks all those questions, which is great because you don't get that kind of um, care usually when you're ordering from somewhere else. And then I wanted to ask, are you, do you have plans for other colors or are we sticking right now to the um, olive green and the midnight blue? Black scrubs are coming out for sure. There are three other colors I'm also working on uh, with a color specialist to make them really, um, really nice and special for healthcare providers. But Black is coming out. They're in manufacturing. I um, switched manufacturing companies. So I'm just in the middle of making samples, which is a bit of a process. So I'm not giving a release date yet, but no, it is in the works. I want to ask, I'm going to change gears, shift gears a little bit. Um, if you could go back and tell your younger self something or some piece of advice that changed um your perspective or any, any just kind of little nugget of, of wisdom that you have that you would want to share with a younger you or with anyone who's listening, um, what would that be? Well, I think it's very easy to be influenced these days. So I would say don't change. Keep working really hard and make sure you're having fun while you're doing it. Life is so short. And like the things I stressed about as a kid were not always the important things. Um, and sometimes literally the most productive thing you could do is to stop and relax and reassess. Um, my dad's an accountant. So we always said, stop, reassess the numbers and get back to it. Um, you know, in the hospital, we use a lot of like quantitative decisions data. So uh, quantitative decisions should always be, um, a non-emotional because you just need to look at the numbers and they'll tell you what the answers are. So, uh, that was like the combination of my advice at the hospital and my dad's accounting experience. Yeah, I read this book one time and he had like a bowling reference where if if you're going along and life is like bowling and, you know, you're kind of striking out, you're striking out, you're, you're doing really well because in bowling reference, you would be doing well if you're striking out. But if you weren't getting any pins and you weren't doing well, sometimes just taking a little break, you know, and skipping one round. And then going back to it, you might find that it starts going better for you, just breaking up the uh, momentum that you are having if it's not good momentum or if you need to take rest, because there's a lot of learning in the rest and there's a lot of repair in the rest. So I think that's um, really great advice. I think that's like a common thing with golfers and writers. And I mean, you can associate it to almost anything when you stop and take a break, when you're really frazzled is normally when you see things more clearly. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you come back and you're like better at something than you were after, before you took the break. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll ask you about just, um, when we spoke on the phone, you, you talked about how you were getting some no 
you were getting like when you when you decided, hey, I want to I want to create this company and I can do it and I, this is how I'm going to do it. You were met with some people saying, oh, you know, that's really risky. You might not want to do that right now. Um, there's scrubs are already, there's already so many scrubs out there. What can you talk a little bit about just the naysayers that pop up, even if they might be well intentioned, um, how you mitigate through that and I'll just your thoughts on that, on, on people telling you no when you're going after something that you feel in your heart you want to do? Well, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Um, so small business was definitely a regular talk at the dinner table. And my parents used to tell me, they're like, we don't know what you don't understand about the word no, the N or the O. <laughs> and so, um, which translated really well into an entrepreneurial uh, life, but I sympathize with parents similar to my my own who had um, kids like me growing up. But it's very easy for someone to look at what you're doing and say it's not a good idea or that you shouldn't do it. But if um, you know, there's like two parts to this because if you're if you're starting a company and it really does, doesn't solve a problem, it's not a solution for a problem, then you need to be able to step back and reassess. So there is something that you can't just like keep hitting the hammer and the nail and and get somewhere all the time. But then if you really feel like you have something, there's going to be people who challenge you and say no. And having your ears open and listening to figure out why they're saying that, if there's really substance behind what they're talking about is important. But then if you believe in it, I mean, the riskiest thing you can do is invest in yourself. and. I don't really see where, you know, if I'm 80 years old and I'm looking back on my life, starting the scrub company is not going to be the thing I regret, even if it doesn't end up, you know, having big financial gains. Like I go to work and I'll see, I like the other day I saw some girl walking down the hallway in my scrubs and I was like, Hey, I I love your scrubs. And she said, Oh yeah, I think a nurse at this hospital makes them. And I was like, that's me. I'm, I'm the nurse. And I stepped back that night and I was like, that was the goal. That was like, even if, nothing else comes from this scrub company. That was my dream. I've accomplished the dream. Um, so all those people who told me no, and that, you know, the design wasn't going to work or that, um, that there were already enough scrub companies out there or that my price point wasn't, um, feasible for them. I, I, I reached my dream. I see people in my scrubs who don't even know me who are wearing them around the hospital and really like them and have great things to say about the stethoscope holder and the comfort. And so I'm going to keep, you know, chugging at it, but I I can't go back and say I re- have any regrets about starting the company. Things I would have changed, things I'm going to change in the future. There's always going to be those days too, where you kind of like feel at loss a little bit and and go back to listening to what all the other people are saying. Um, so surrounding yourself with a community is also very important um, because you have kind of the intermittent naysayers, but I have to say like the community that I've met through starting this company is truly one of the most inspiring things about, about the whole journey. I've talked to several other nursing entrepreneurs who started um, badge reel companies or um, shoe companies, uh, Brooke, you with MDF instruments, like it's inspiring. And I can't imagine what else I'd be doing with my life than um, getting the chance to have the opportunity to sit here and, and chat with you and and talk about forward thinking processes for nurses in the hospital and um, taking care of patients and you devote your life to something. You really want to see things move forward. And that's what's happening. We never regret things that we do. I feel like we just regret things we don't do. Because even if you do something that, you know, and obviously I'm not talking about illegal things, but I'm saying, you know, when following a dream or a passion or something risky, um, you know, even if it doesn't turn out the way that you thought it would, sometimes it turns out even better. And you all, there's always a lesson in it. And you never regret it because you go, I went for it. I tried. I dedicated myself and I did everything I could to make that come true. And at the end of the day, whatever happens, happens, but you have no regrets because you gave it your best shot and you gave it your all. And I think 
there's really something to that rather than wondering one day, oh, I had this idea or I had this really brilliant thing. I could have really helped people over here. Or I could have invented this thing, but I was scared. Um, and then I didn't do it because I didn't think I, I was afraid to fail or I just didn't believe in myself enough or I didn't want to put the work in or whatever it is. That's when you have the regret. And so I think um, it's great advice to just listen to, you know, what people have to say, keep an open mind because people do have, you know, experiences of their own, but their truth doesn't mean their truth about something doesn't make it your truth. Just, just because someone had a bad experience doing something doesn't mean that's going to be your experience. So it's kind of just like, you know, food for thought, keep, keep it, keep it with a grain, grain of salt, you know, but always take constructive criticism and, you know, think about, what you're doing before you do it. And then at the end of the day, if you feel like it's a good decision and you've thought, thought it through, I say, go for it all the time. Go for it. I love that. I completely agree. Catherine, it's been such a pleasure having you on our crafting wellness podcast. If you wouldn't mind just giving your, um, your scrub ha- handle on Instagram one more time, if people want to come over, ask you questions, check out your scrubs or just talk to you. I think they're going to do it through Instagram uh, for all of us. Yeah, Brooke, thank you so much for spending the time with me today. This has been a really um, great opportunity to work with you and um, talk about the scrubs and MDF instruments um, over Zoom. Uh, On Instagram, you can find my scrubs at For All of Us, um, and it's F-O-R-O-L-I-V-E-U-S. So on Instagram, you can find my scrubs, and it's at For All of Us, F-O-R-O-L-I-V-E-U-S. Um, and you'll be directed to the website from there. And if you have any questions at all, please um, send me a message because I'm available and excited to talk about anything in the medical field and medical apparel.